You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. Oh, goodness. This isn't actually our music, so I'm not sure if there's copyright infringements if I use somebody else's music either, so. Sometimes. Yeah, something like that. All right, you ready? We'll clap, and then I'll do my intro, and then rock and roll. I haven't done one of these um, since pre-baby, so um, baby was born December 20th, so if it's a rocky start, that's my fault. It's rusty. Rusty. Ready? One, two, three. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Performance Group Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby, and on today's episode, I am welcomed, I am joined, I am blessed to be in the presence of Mr. Lewis Jackson the third? The third. The third. There's three of them. Four of them. Four. Four of them. He's got his own LJ. So, uh, Lewis is one of the many amazing people I have met at the Leadership Academy of Madison County. Um, and I have been so lucky to learn more about what he is doing, um, not only in his business, but for his community. So, Lewis, I brought you on to talk about, you know, kind of the things you're doing and then all of the things you're doing. Because it seems like there's, you know, way, way, way more than just one. So let's um, let's back things up. Um, you are the owner operator of uh, Redefine Salon right in downtown Anderson. Um, you also run your own nonprofit called Redefine Life. Um, you're wearing a shirt that says the Village Mentoring Community, which I assume is part of Redefine Life. Yes, it is. One of the many things that you guys do through that program. Um, and then obviously, you know, you're pouring back in. So. Let's go ahead and, you know, where are you from originally? Are you from Madison County? Were you, you know, grown here? And then we'll kind of get into everything else. Yes, I am uh, from Madison County. Been born and raised here. Um, Went to Anderson High School. Well, I graduated Anderson High School, but I actually went to Madison Heights when they had it. And then it was, I was the class that they switched over uh, Madison Heights and moved it to Anderson High School. So uh, my wife says I'm a hybrid. Mm-hmm. She said I'm not a true Indian. She's a true Indian. So she's like, gotcha. you're not a true Indian. <laughs> what was the Madison Heights uh, mascot? Pirate. Oh. So now and I was I was excited about it. I'm like, I really could care less about school, really, at that time. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care about being an Indian. But now that I have a son that plays varsity basketball for the Indians, I'm like, uh, I am a little happy about being an Indian. Absolutely, especially this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this has been a breakout year for the Indians. Yes, and we're we're ex- totally excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. I saw the uh, final score of the Madison County tournament, and I was like, wow, not very close. Not at all. Not at all. Not so at you all. guys have had some really big wins this year. Yes, has some very big wins, but the biggest being against Arsenal Tech. Yeah. And uh, that was one that we, even as the parents and the coaches, we were, like, gunning for. And uh, we pulled it off, man. Yeah. 
Absolutely. We, we pulled it off. So what's the um, what what's the goal for the year? I mean, obviously, everybody wants to win a state championship. But, yeah. I mean, is, is that where our eyes are looking? Or we're okay. looking at the next game, Coach. We're looking at the next game. Yeah. We'll uh, never look past nobody. <laughs> uh, as a parent, uh, looking at the team and how it's constructed, I think that we can pull off regional mm-hmm. uh, and maybe state. But I think we can easily pull off regional. That's awesome. Yeah. Especially being in, it's 4A, 5A? Yeah, 4A. 4A basketball. Mm-hmm. That, that's a hard class of basketball. Yeah, it is. We're playing Carmel. We're playing uh, Lafayette Jeff. You're playing Pike. You're playing all North Central. Yeah. So we're playing some major people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we can hang with them maybe through our regional. But, man, when we played uh, Carmel a couple of weeks ago, they showed us why they are the number one team in the state. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and sometimes you, I'd rather take that lump early. Yeah, and you know? I, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You learn from it. You wake up and get better for the next day. Most definitely. So, um, so you're from Anderson originally. Um, yeah. So back then, when you guys were, you guys still using the wigwam? Uh, they were. Uh-huh. They were using the wigwam. Of course, we were still trying to. I guess they didn't really know what they wanted because we had our own gym. They yeah. didn't have the wigwam. Uh, then they decided to go ahead and let the wigwam just die. And go. Um, but now we've heard that it's being resurrected. And so hopefully sometime this year, possibly, we may be able to play a game in the wigwam. Wouldn't that be something? Man, I would love it. I would love it. Uh, but them are just rumors that it's a possibility that yeah. we can pull that off. Always a rumor about the wigwam. I feel like there's been rumors about it ever <laughs> since it shut down. Everybody said, oh, there's, it's coming back, it's coming yeah. back, it's coming back. Yeah. But that's um, been Anderson. Anderson's coming back, right? Yeah, that's what's been, that's what we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing fans coming back and uh, parents are getting excited. Uh, and we have a great coach and the coaching staff. And I think that was probably the biggest reason why we were not as good as we could have been. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have the right coach. But uh, Don Bowling has been great. And uh, bringing back a philosophy, a work ethic, a culture, and uh, now the boys are buying into it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what young men need, right? Most is they definitely. need a mentor. They need they need a village. Yes. So definitely. Kind of talk about, um, you know, at what point did you decide to jump into the realm of mentorship slash nonprofit slash you know, <laughs> all, all that because that, that's a that's more than a full-time job in itself. Yes. Um, so I guess part of it, the backstory would be um, I've been groomed for this for quite some time. I am a fourth-generation pastor. Um, so my father, great-grandfather, grandfather, father, and then myself. I started pastoring when I was 18 uh, years old. So I started being, I was a youth pastor then, and at the same time I'm doing that, I got into social work. Um, working at a group home, which was only supposed to be a summer job, uh, and I never left. It that whole sector, it I fell in love with it. Working at a boys' group home, and I found my passion. So between pastoring young people and then going to work every day, working with young men who were at risk, disadvantaged, coming out of DOC, I started seeing, man, I think I can really help. Um, over the years, as I began to grow in both sectors, I started seeing that there should be some overlap that I didn't see. I felt like uh, as a pastor of the church, 
we didn't really reach certain a demographic that actually needed the message. And then vice versa, I felt like uh, as being a social worker, we were very reactive. Most of the time that we would get to the kid and the family, it was because they were in trouble. Yeah. No one, they were not getting the services that they needed uh, before they got in trouble. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they got in trouble, man, they got access to therapy. They got access to uh, food pantries and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, why didn't you get that to them before? And maybe the parent would have not, you know, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Preventative medicine. It, we got to have it, mm-hmm. you know, and it made sense to me. Um, and so after about 2019 was a pivotal year for me. Uh, I was working with Lifeline Youth and Family Services and still pastoring uh, with my in my dad's church. And while I was there at Lifeline, uh, I really felt a a strong urge and a strong call to do something different. The thing was, I didn't know what that was. Um, that was the problem because I didn't know. I'm like, okay, what, what to do, how to do it. But I had all these ideas swirling in my head. But it felt like because you're doing the day to day work, you didn't have time to sit and think uh, and see. Okay, what is what is this vision that I'm beginning to see? Um, so that vision fully didn't come until I finally said, okay, I'm going to leave my job, which was <laughs> something that was hard to go tell your wife. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> got something I'm going to tell you. I'm going to leave. I think I need to leave this job. And she's like, okay, and do what? I don't know. Uh, but I feel like I need to, and thank God for my wife. She is the best thing ever in life. Uh, it did take her a minute, but she was like, I support you, and uh, let's see what's going to happen. And she did promise me, like, if you don't, don't nothing come, you'll go back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah, safety net. Yeah. Always, yeah, yeah. always need a safety net. Yeah, like, you, you'll go. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so December of 2019 I left left Lifeline Youth and Family Services with just thoughts and ideas of what could be and then um, it started to come to me and I started to think about this idea of redefined which has been my mantra because that was the actual name of my first youth group oh really and uh, when I was 18, it was redefined youth ministry. Yeah. And then that name has carried on to us starting our salon. And then now it was like, I think we can do that. I think that's something that's necessary to redefine young men's and families' lives. And so off a of whim, I was like, okay, we're going to start a nonprofit called Redefine Life Incorporated. And... As we started doing it, it has been an ever-evolving process of what we do mm-hmm. and how we do it. Uh, some people see kind of what we do now and thought, like, this was in your head the whole time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It was, I, I want to help build families. Mm-hmm. And so the mission is to develop healthy families that build healthy communities. Wow. Um, But how was the, I don't know. So then I started kind of just thinking, 
let's take what I've done in youth pastoring and what I've done in social work, and the common thread was mentorship. Mm-hmm. Was I was like, I can start the first program with mentorship. Let's try that with young men. Um, and then me and my partner got together, Antonio Quionis. He uh, It was during the pandemic at the height. At the beginning of the pandemic, we incorporated February 2020. They shut everything down in March. March. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, I left my job. I started this organization that I don't fully know what's going on. Yep. And we're in the death smack in the pandemic. And then while we're in this pandemic, then the race riots started happening. And all of this began to happen. And I'm like, what did I do? Um, but it actually helped shape what we ended up becoming. Uh, because during that time, we start, I start getting calls from, hey, will you talk about these things that's happening among the community with these race riots? And, and I heard you mentor young men. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you did it yet? And can you speak to these issues? And um, before I knew it, we were dead smack in the, just in the front of multiple podcasts and newspaper articles and I'm like how did this happen and I still don't know fully what this is yeah um but as we start developing I started seeing every person every family needs a village Mm -hmm. and so it started out as let's name the mentoring program the village I think it's brilliant um and so we started with the village, uh, September of 2020, we did our first cohort of young men. We had a cohort of eight young men and their families. One of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure was that it was a proactive mentoring program. I wanted to catch young boys and young families before they were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that was very intentional. Um because of my work with the juvenile and the judicial system, a lot of them knew me and wanted, like, hey, will you take some of our kids? And I had to tell them no. I'm like, they are, I think you have other programs yeah. that can handle them. I want to look at the kids that are not even being touched because they may be flying under the radar and they need this proactive program that will help before they get to that position yeah and even if maybe possibly they won't ever get here they may not even be on the trajectory and i don't want them to get on it so let me i want to work on this end and so that's what we end up that's what we end up doing yeah absolutely so um you're kind of building the airplane while it's in the air yeah Flying on a whim and then figuring out how to put the pieces together as you go. Yeah, it, it was it was something that we seen a little. And I so even the team that we were started to build with mm-hmm. partners and even those that wanted to come on our board, I had a, a group of pastors that I used to just talk, you know, my thoughts through. Yeah. So they became our my first board. So like, hey, you all know I'm flexible, we're fluid. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to just kind of go with it, and y'all kind of help me to go with it. And they're like, all right, Lewis, okay, we'll follow. <laughs> um, but then as we started moving, man, Sean, the doors begin to open, and clarity begin to come. 
um, I found myself in situations and at tables that I would have never thought I'd be at. I'm sitting with community leaders, and they're asking me, what do we do? How can I help? How can I help? What can we pour into? And I'm sitting there like, wow. Um, So then my concept of the village began to change, which was kind of... um, <laughs> kind of bad because everyone thought, hey, this is a mentoring program. This is what we do. But my concept of the village began to start shifting because I started seeing the village as a network. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a network of community partners and leaders that then build around it. But that is not the village is not the program. It has to be the network. Um It takes a village. It takes a village. And so I'm like, yeah, we don't really, the actual program needs to be called something different. And the network needs to be called the village. Um, And so I started shifting and Mm -hmm. rebranding. And so now our mentoring program is called RISE. Okay. Which means redefining identity through service and empowerment. And so the program of the village is RISE. But the village is a community. Is a community. It says right there on your shirt. Exactly. We're the community. And my overall vision for the village, uh, within the next year or two, we will have a community center called the village. Awesome. That will run all of our programs and our resources that will come out of what we do. Yeah. And I didn't see that at first. Um, I never seen that. But now I started seeing, in order for people to really get that it takes a village, why not create a community center? You have to create the village. So let's create this community center, and then let's run these programs. Let's create a shared space so people can see it, and then we run a mentoring program. Then we will run other things that will help develop these families. Divisional lines. Exactly. And so... uh, I didn't really get that until probably about a year and a half. Well, if you came up with it all at the start, you know, you just hadn't had enough time to think yet. That's why you quit your job. Yeah. Yeah. You needed time to sit down and think. Yeah. Um, That is a very, you know, to kind of back into that, to quit your job and run into a pandemic and to quit your job just because you wanted to think. What drove you? To the fact that you knew that you had something more, but you just didn't know what it was. Would you call it faith? Yes. Um, It was truly, for me, it was truly a God moment. Yeah. I actually, while I was at Lifeline, I had never seen social work and faith mixed. Mm -hmm. But Lifeline Youth and Family Services was the first group that I got hired on to that I seen both of them in the same space because they are a faith-based social service uh, organization. And so when I first went there, I got hired there in 2017, um, our orientation, which was in Fort Wayne, was Bible. The first thing was Bible study. And I was like, what? I've worked for Aspire. I worked for the Children's Bureau, Youth Opportunity. I've worked for all these organizations. And not one of them, the very first thing was Bible study. Yep. You know, so I'm like, okay. But within a year, because I seen something that I'd never seen, I started dreaming. And so by 2018, 
I started feeling like I probably needed to start shifting, and I didn't do it. So I ended up going part-time. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, so and they didn't want that. They was like, "Why are you going? Are you about to leave?" No, I'm not leaving. But this is, I'm gonna go part time. I want to kind of think and 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 really work within the church setting a little bit more. By 2019, that feeling became a full blown almost crisis. Yeah. <laughs> because um, from a ministry standpoint of view, I see church different. Um. In the sense of institutional church, which is what I've grew up in uh, all my life, and love, More generations love it. I believe that we have gotten so used to let's go to church on Sunday, have a Bible study on Wednesday, um, and that just wasn't working. I felt like we're not. How do we? We got to get into our light. Got to shine. And I'm seeing church much different. I'm seeing that my generation wasn't going to a Sunday morning service. Uh, they weren't trying to go to a Bible study. But what I started seeing is that I believe the church needs to be within a community center. I believe that take off the name church. The church is actually supposed to be the people, not the building. And we've made it. We messed that all the way up. So people have the idea of let's go to church. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's not even, that's foreign to the biblical scripture. We are the church. We are the church. And so if we're the church, then that means where do we need to place ourselves? And I firmly believe the church needs to express itself within a community center. Because there are some people that may never come and be a part of our community uh, as a local b- church body, but that doesn't mean they can't be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Or become a member of it. Exactly. There's no reason why, while we're having church service upstairs or in another part of the building, that they cannot be getting health services and that a mentoring program can be going on and that we're getting employment service all happening simultaneously within this community center. And I started seeing that at, uh, in 2019. And when I started seeing it, and I'm like, okay, no, no, because that's going to ruffle feathers. That's going to shift a lot of thinking. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then it became a point to where it was like, I I got to figure this out or I won't be okay. And when I left my job, with all these thoughts again swirling in my mind, um, that's when it started becoming concrete. I've ministered to more people in two and a half years than I have probably all my years of being a pastor. Wow. I've seen more people. I've been in multiple sectors because, and they're hearing my story, hearing my faith, um, where they wouldn't have heard it because they thought, like, well, you're in church, so that's something separate from the rest of the community. And that's crazy. Um, and faith is an interesting thing. Um, organized religion is an interesting thing. I think, especially with the youth of today, it's um, it's the ability to think outside the box is something that was never built into organized religion. Yeah, it was. This is the way. This is the way we've always done it. And I think you're going to receive more pushback from this generation, the generation exactly. after this, and the only direction and what people need, the church, the village. 
people, especially in a world that's shut down where there's no interpersonal interaction. Exactly. It's the true solution. I think COVID's the best thing that ever could have happened. Yes. I totally agree. You needed people to feel separated. You needed people to feel alone, unfortunately, to them during that time period. But they then need to find something. Yes. And that's why when I wanted to call it the village, that network of people and community resources, I knew that it would ring true to a lot of people. Whether you were faith-based or not, Mm -hmm. everyone understood that it does take a village. It's going, no one got to where they are by themselves, period. Yeah. Now you apply that and begin to show how how we can do it, then people start buying into it because everybody knows it, but nobody knows how to make it happen. Nobody understood what are the ingredients to make a village, and so one of the things that I started seeing was one you got to have is relationship must come first. So regardless of what you do or who you are, you got to put relationship before anything first. A lot of times, particularly in mentorship, what I've seen is uh, men will come in because they felt like they were doctors or they were business owners. They will lead with that first. And wonder why the kid or the family never received them. Because you didn't leave with your humanity. You leave with what you do. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care where you come. I want you to leave with your humanity, your brokenness. Because all of us are broken. Think about what we did that second day. Wow. Humanity. Humanity. A human moment. And... The reason I don't want to really talk about it is I don't want to get that away. Yeah. But I will say that that changed everything. It did. Um, the the unguarding of a person is allows somebody else to finally let theirs down. So I agree completely that we all get stuck in with what we do versus who we are. Yeah. And we never get to who we want to be. Exactly. Because it's always seen in a professional light. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. I do think that that is a ever-changing thing. I think this next generation, um, you know, I'm a millennial slash Gen Zer according to the timeline yeah. they gave me the last time I went to one of those <laughs> yeah. leadership classes. And, you know, there's more and more kids that want to take less pay for more time off to spend it the way they want to rather than more pay for more hours to do what? Yeah. To die with money? Yeah. Like, what does, what does that matter? Yeah. And as somebody who lives in South Anderson and wants to pour back into Anderson and Anderson Community Schools, that's this is the generation to do it. Yeah. Because they care. They're going to put something above themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think the older generation, the way we go about it, um, they think we're just kind of... Losing our mind. You with. thought the same thing when you were 18 years old and somebody told you what to do. That's what we try to tell them. We like, all are the same. Exactly. But they think like we are just, oh, they, this generation has lost their mind. They have no discipline. They have, you know, all of these things. Yeah, I got uh, fired from a job at 18. I didn't show <laughs> up. I did all the wrong things. It was my best friend's dad. and We're friends today. It's the best thing ever happened to me. Yeah. But you got it. And I think... Um, young people have to make mistakes. Yeah. And somebody trying to protect them from mistakes every single day, you need to let them fail. You need to put up, you need to put a safeguard to keep them from true failure. 
but you need to let them fail and pick themselves up. Because if somebody else picks you up every single time, you're just going to keep falling. Exactly. Exactly. You got to learn how to stand up and it's hard. Yeah. I believe that if you have, if the village really became the village, you will see that people can fall and but fall safely. Because we're here and you know we're here and we're going to make ourselves present, but I'm not going to stop you from failing. But I'm not going to allow you to stay there. One of the things that I believe with our families and particularly with our young people, uh, a lot of the delinquency that we're seeing is, and I've spoken this quite a bit, it's because the village hasn't been the village. We're more concerned with our own silos. We're more concerned with what we do, how we do it, where we do it at. And then we don't think nothing of it until one one of these young boys or girls do something crazy and, and everybody goes crazy. Uh, during the protests, I had actually, when I was on a few podcasts, I told them, man, y'all didn't care about George Floyd before he got shot. We don't even think about that. You was living your best life, doing your own thing. Then he gets shot and everybody want to protest and, oh, my God, and what's going on? And I'm like, we got to get out of that. We got to become the village before anything happens. But uh, that's going to take us being humble. And that's going to take us actually saying we're going to become servant leaders. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're you know, learning even in our leadership academy. Uh, and it's really reinforcing and confirming in most of our classmates, this is who we are and this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But we got to get it to a point where, hey, Whatever you do, it got to be for someone else. It's not just for you. No, and and that's not the reason we were put on this earth. That's the reason we become parents. Exactly. And I don't think you learn it until you become a parent. I'm trying to tell you, man. I got I'm telling you, with two boys and being married 18 years, yeah, it's. I've learned it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, and you learn that the hard way. At, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. I was up four times last night with a three-week-old baby. I forgot what it was like after two and a half years. Man, I remember them days. Never to go back. But I tell you what, it's easier the second time. Yeah. I fell down the first time. It sucked the first eight months of that first baby. <laughs> um, but it's easier this time. Yeah, it's truly easier, and it's only because it sucked the first time. Yeah. yeah. So that is its own life lesson. Yeah, man. And you're never gonna be about me ever again in my life, and that's okay. Yes. That allows me to work for them. Yeah. Yes. I have a podcast for the guest. I have a podcast for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's none of this is about me. No, the equipment that I buy, that's for me. Yeah. I buy that for this little heart of joy. Sometimes I need <laughs> yeah. it to sound better and look more professional. Yeah. But like, yeah. then it spurs a conversation about why should you have a podcast? Yeah, you've done one in the past. How yeah. do I get back started? Yeah. I think it, you know, yeah. being able to have eight minute clips that go out to people, yeah. you know, twice a week to talk about the village. Yeah, yeah, and talking to the village. Yeah. Yeah, like, look at you. You're getting me excited again. You should. <laughs> but that's it. It's because it's for you. And then you're thinking about how I can do it for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And, man, what happens with everyone is doing that? Now we get a better, a better world. Mm-hmm. Everyone is getting what they need because no one is thinking about themselves. Unfortunately, through the way that purchasing goods works and jobs work and survival works. Yeah. 
It's not built always for others. It's built for me. It's of built course. for I. Yeah. It's just like any team sport, right? Yeah. There's no I in team. Come on. There's me, but... Yeah. <laughs> but you, you go back and you go, there, there, there is no I in team. We yeah. have to work together. Yeah. And I think that the brokenness of COVID allows people to come back and get back together in a nicer fashion than they ever have. Yeah. I'm a nicer person. Than I've ever been. <laughs> I was never mean before. Yeah, I couldn't. I cannot see it. If uh, there's no way. No, not um, John. Well, if you catch me on the wrong day when I used to coach <laughs> high school wrestling and they weren't listening, but that's boys. Ooh, Sometimes yeah, you need that. Yeah, you got to uh, be mean, coach. Very uh, rarely do I get to be mean, coach. Yes, I'm. I'm pretty mean if you talk to our boys. Yeah, I'm a fun <laughs> coach. I'm the fun guy. But if I'm the only one running practice, I got to be the bad guy. Yeah, we got to run sprints and we'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, it's one of those things, and I know we haven't talked a lot about your business, but I'm so, um, I'll say the word in love. I, I, I am in love with the idea of what you guys do. I'm in love with the actions you take in the community. Um, in the idea of preventative medicine, what are you guys doing to recruit young men and young people into that program to be mentored, let alone recruiting mentors? So the way that we're recruiting young men is our, um, we work with the schools so they're able to identify some of those young men. But I'm real big that I think they can be self-identified just by if the community knows that we are available. And so what we've seen is people will, you know, through our Facebook posts, through our work in the community, uh, we're getting constant referrals of, hey, my kid, I want them in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're able to go to our website and they fill out the application and then we, we, we talk. Uh, there was one family that actually talked to me right before uh, Christmas break and was like, our therapist, I got his two foster young men, uh, and our therapist said, you need to get them connected to Redefine Life. You need to call Lords. And so they ended up messaging us through Facebook. Uh, we they did an application. We talked to the boys and the families, uh, and then we were able to get them connected. Wow! Um, and so I think I want—I really want to believe that it, if it can be happen organically, if we continue to put ourselves out there. But of course, we have where you know the schools can refer, but most of the time the schools are going to refer those kids that they deem bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but we try to help them to see. We're not just a group that wants what you would consider bad. We want those people that you may say that needs a village. They need a community around them so they can become better. Uh, and so trying to help them to see the difference yeah. um, of saying, okay, stop calling these kids delinquent. I want you to see that, hey, you know what, Lewis? I want them here because I think this family needs a few more resources. Mm-hmm. Then we can take that kid. Yeah. Uh, don't just oh, cause they're being bad and we don't know what to do with them. Okay, <laughs> what? Don't send them here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Unless you really know, like, no, we've went beyond their behavior because I believe behavior is only an outworking of the environment. And we got most schools and most institutions we're so caught up on behavior that you don't go beyond it to see what's causing it, what's going on. What's actually happening at home? So when we ask for referrals from schools, tell me more than the kid is having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. That means you got to do your research. 
Yeah, and the the discovery, the understanding, the the questions to even ask yeah. to figure out. You know, you go to the doctor, and you go to the doctor, and what do they do? They ask you a million questions. Yeah, because I'm not going to look at you, tap your knee, and say, "Well, it looks like you got a knee problem." Yeah, I'm going to tap your knee. I'm going to feel up your leg. I'm going to yeah. check your ankle. Yeah. And it looks like, well, actually, you, you do a heel-toe motion mm-hmm. and or a toe-heel motion is screwing up your knee. Yeah. So it's it's sometimes it's not the knee that needs fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the way you walk. Come on. So you, you got to fix that environment. You've got to ask these questions to get to the root of, you know, the, the problem isn't a bad kid. Yeah. The problem is, you know, the, the things surrounding yeah. Or the way the kid feels about themselves. themselves. Yeah. Or and maybe the family dynamic because dad is not there, which is what we've seen a lot. Mom is working on a consistent basis. Kid is raising themselves. Mm-hmm. And mean, their siblings. And their siblings. And so they come to school. They're cranky. They're tired. They're hungry. You know what I'm saying? They have no home training because they have no one there to help them to see how to live correctly. You know, because their sense of normalness is... Hey, I go home by myself. My mom comes and and she kind of she's there, love her, but she got to work. Mm-hmm. And give well, them e-learning days and two siblings that have to do their e-learning. And now you're the one that's teaching them math. Yeah. And you're the oldest and you don't know understand math your own self. Yeah. And so all of these dynamics is what we seek to try to help with the family. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting with the mentoring program but we will be rolling out other programs that will help the overall family. What other programs are you looking at? So one of the biggest things is that we've seen among our young boys is uh, education is just not their thing. You know, like uh, not that they don't necessarily want to learn. It's just like that's come secondary to living. And so we're, we've been working with uh, some of our board members to look at, okay, how are we going to create this educational component? So that we're helping them. And so part of it is it's easy to do a study table and let's do uh, uh, some study tables or tutoring. But what I'm finding out is you're tutoring a kid in seventh grade math when he only can read at a third grade level. What's the point? We need to find out. Let's assess where they are and let's get them to where they need to be. We can't expect the schools to do that. They have too many, especially public schools. They have to move kids through. So we need to supplement. And so one of the things that we're going to be focusing on is reading comprehension for our boys and their families. So we got some connections with Ball State, uh, Martin University, uh, Anderson University, and even local teachers that's going to come in. And we're going to have to teach and identify where they are in their reading and then let's build from there. Mm-hmm. Not come and do your homework. That You can probably do that later. But right now, and I want to get you the building blocks so that later on you can do your homework. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to deal with symptoms and not deal with the root. And so as we're doing that, we're looking at doing community tour. I mean, college tours, because that's the other thing with our, with our families. A lot of them don't even, college is not even in their mind. They've never seen no one do it. They've never seen no one go. So we're looking at how we can get them on college tours on a yearly basis for some of those older ones to open up their mind to see what is available to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's 
education is one of the programs that we're looking at how to do. Uh, entrepreneurship is a huge, huge thing of our program. We deal with five particular areas, academic excellence, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, community engagement, and character development. And so with entrepreneurship, we're looking at doing some technical training through uh, On This Rock LLC, which is ran by Antonio Kionis, mm -hmm. which is my partner that helped start this. Mm -hmm. um, he has a technical school in construction. So he's able to, uh, through NCCER, help the kids understand construction, uh, HVC, uh, those different, trying to give them some tools that maybe college is not your deal, but we can get you some technical training, get you certified if you're old enough and mm -hmm. get a job immediately. And then you're able to even put them to work. Uh, and so we're working on that piece and he's working diligently. Um, one of the big things I want to do is a charter school also um, because I feel like as minority, primarily minority uh, families, we, we learn different. And because we learn different, sometimes we have to assimilate uh, in a public setting. And so you wonder, you think a kid can't read or he can learn, but you're trying to teach him in a way that he can't, he can't grab it. And so I believe that there's a necessity to have a charter school that can, a more of a smaller school that can help some of these students to do some of the same things, but we're going to teach you in a way that you can get it. Um, and so one of our board members is actually had a passion to start a charter school. And so we're looking at what does that look like? And all of this and many other things will be housed within the Village Community Center. And that's what I'm wanting to, I want to create the network and then allow other people to do what they've naturally been called to do. Let's put it in this setting that we can help develop these healthy families. Mm -hmm. A one-stop shop. That's what I see. And um, I think it's going to work. I've not seen I've seen it close, but I've seen it like even with some things in Anderson, the Excel Center and some of these other places. But we're going to all have a common denominator. You understand that you whatever you do, whatever you bring to the center, it is about the village. It is about the family. So we understand that we have a common goal and a common mission, which redefined as the the uh, the umbrella, we're, we're the one to set the mission. Hey, we're about these families. Now, what do you do well? Would you like to come be a part of the village? Mm -hmm. What do you do well? What have you seen? And let's begin to create this shop yeah. so that people can, so these families can come in and they'll be able to get what they need. Well, and it goes back to, um, you know, the diagnosis. You know, you can't give everybody mentoring if mentoring is not the answer. Exactly. So you got to go through and do your discovery and say, hey, you know, I think this is the place for you. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we, we work on these skills? We're yeah. going to we're gonna find where we fit in. We have the blocks, the yeah. building blocks. We have multiple blocks. And then we'll just start to do it but one thing at a time. Little by little. Yeah. And that's yeah. what it takes. And so that's where it's a big vision. Uh, I don't expect for us to do it. That's why I said it's a network. I look at creating community partners, connecting with people that already are doing certain things uh, within the community, but 
I want to give them focus. So if you are over, you know, if you're an insurance agent and you're just kind of shooting for the community and just going for it, hey, if you join our network, we will be able to get you the people that you're needing to help that needs the help that you're, you know, you're offering mm. or the service that you're offering. Um, and we've seen that work. Yeah. We've seen it work within the two years. We've been able to connect uh, with community partners that would have never serviced some of these families. And the, some of the families didn't even know they existed. Um, but now they do mm-hmm. because of the network of the village. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's just, you just want to be seen. And it's hard to be seen when you're stuck in the muck. Of course. So we got a lot of people stuck in the muck, which I think COVID also showed that there were a lot of people that were not getting serviced and that needed help, but just no one seen it until all of a sudden these people are dying. And some of it could have been uh, prevented. Mm -hmm. And we now like, okay, it's a perfect time for us to have a new paradigm of how we do community. Yeah, I think if you look at it, um, some of the organizations, it's always preaching to people. I don't know if you've ever been to something like that, but the last thing you want to do is be preached to yeah, about man. what you did or why you did yeah. it. Um, the idea to preach with yeah. or be a part of. Come on. Or be, you know, in the community. Yeah. That's what people need. That's what people want. Yeah. And that's what's going to take, you know, Anderson out of this 20-year recession. Yes. And it takes organizations like... You know, yes. redefine life to do so. Yes. So, well, I know we didn't talk much about all the businesses you run because I know you do a lot of things. <laughs> so we're right at 45 minutes. That's perfect. So um, one, go ahead and list off the things you guys do otherwise. Um, so I don't feel totally guilty about talking about that for the whole time. <laughs> uh, so my wife and I own Redefine Salon, mm-hmm. downtown Anderson, 1310 Meridian Street. Um, it is something that we love doing. And we have a barber shop in there. You can always call and connect with us on Facebook or whatever if you need an appointment. Uh, be honest with you, she is going to be rolling off as we will still own the salon, but she will not be doing hair uh, probably within the next few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have other stylists there that can do it. Uh, she also, which is, I know she wants me to plug this, she uh, owns her jewelry boutique called Glitz with Glitters where she sells paparazzi jewelry for $5. Um, you can go on website, uh, com. You can see us on Facebook. You can even come to the salon and get it. And women, we are all about empowering women. Mm-hmm. And the, our biggest model for that is new look, new feel, new you. And so we're able to say, hey, you can get, look, we can get your hair done. We can give you some jewelry. Go out a night on the town. Uh, that's what we're all about, trying to help people to see something that they may not know. Hey, you, you are a good-looking woman. Let's, let's, let's help you to make that happen. Um, and then, like I said, with Redefine Life, you can always go to liveliferedefine.com, get to know what we do. Uh, we're always looking for partners, whether that is community partners or people that want to donate toward the, the program and the the organization, you go there, you get to see all that we do. And um, we're loving trying to change Redefine. We want to redefine Anderson. And that's what we're going to be doing, man. I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing it. 
All right, you mean everybody else. Yeah, sir. One day at a time. Louis Jackson the third. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Hey guys. Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group Podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.